In this video, we're going over the category herbs that warm the interior and expel cold. We'll start by talking about the signs and symptoms of what cold looks like in the body. Then we'll go over the individual herbs. And finally, we'll talk about a few formulas where these herbs pop up. If you want to follow along, you can download the slides. There are links to those below, but let's go ahead and get started. And this video is brought to you by the TCM Study Single Herb Review Course. In this video, we're going to be going over the herbs in a very in-depth way, which is great if you're taking an herbology course and you've never seen this information before. But if you're studying for a big comprehensive test like finals, year-ends, or boards, you'll probably want more of a quick review. And that's what the single herbs review course is for. This course goes over all of the herbs and just hits on the key points you need to know for each one so you can review everything in a quick, efficient manner. So if you're studying for a big test, check out the single herb review course. Link to that is below. So like we said, this category is herbs that warm the interior and expel cold. So this is for cold at the interior level. If we want to deal with cold at the exterior, that was our first category, warm acrid herbs that release the exterior. Here we're dealing with cold at the interior level. And so this could be excess cold, like you have a cold pathogen from the outside that works its way inward or has a direct strike to the organs. Or this could be deficiency cold, as in just constitutionally you have some yang deficiency and so there's some cold on the inside. But the point here is that these herbs are expelling the cold or dispelling the cold. They're not necessarily tonifying herbs. So if we were dealing with that cold from deficiency, then these herbs are more treating the branch symptoms of cold or the branch manifestations of that cold. And we'd have to combine them with other herbs that tonify in order to treat the root. So these herbs are treating cold in the body. What does that cold look like? Well, it kind of depends on where that cold is located in the body. So we could have cold in the lung. And when that cold pathogen gets into the lung, it can block the dissemination of lung chi or the depurative downbearing of lung chi. And since it's blocking that dissemination, the chi can rebel back upwards. So we'll get things like coughing and wheezing because that cold is blocking the downflow. But in addition to that, that cold can actually congeal the fluids into phlegm. So when we get that coughing, there could be cough with copious, clear, thin white phlegm because that cold has congealed the fluids. We could have cold in the middle jowl, as in cold in the spleen and stomach. And so when we talk about cold in the middle jowl, this could be, again, a, a cold pathogen from the exterior that works its way to the interior through the various levels, or it can even have a direct strike to the tie-in level, a direct strike to the spleen stomach of exterior cold, and we get cold in the middle jowl. Or we could just have cold due to constitutional deficiency. You have a weak spleen or some constitutional spleen yang deficiency. Or this could be due to things uh, like lifestyle factors and diet. You eat a lot of cold food and that causes some cold in the middle jowl. So what kind of signs and symptoms are we going to see? Well, we could see abdominal pain that's better with warmth. So remember, the, the middle jowl has an action of movement and transformation, that the spleen is supposed to downbear food into the small intestine. The spleen is supposed to raise the clear yang chi. So if you have this cold pathogen there, that can interrupt that movement. And so things get stuck. So you feel abdominal pain. But that pain is going to be better with warmth or relieved by warmth. And that's how we know it's a cold pathogen. 
And again, if we have cold obstructing this movement, if it can obstruct the stomach's ability to downbear the food, we can end up with rebellious chi, like vomiting or belching. If there's that cold and everything's stuck in there, we could have loss of appetite. You don't want to add more things on when the stuff is stuck. And if that cold is interfering with the transformation of food, then we could end up with diarrhea or loose stools just because the spleen isn't doing its job of digesting the food. We could also have cold in the kidney or cold in the lower jaw. And so here we might see cold and painful low back and knees. Remember the kidneys reside in the low back and so the kidneys govern the low back. So you'll feel uh, pain, weakness, coldness in the low back. But the kidney also governs the knees or even the lower body. So we could say cold and weak lower limbs or specifically cold and painful knees. Uh, remember that the kidney has an action of uh, fluid metabolism. It has something to do with fluid metabolism. So if there's cold obstructing the kidney, there might not be enough kidney yang to transform the fluid. So we can end up with profuse, frequent urination. And actually sometimes, um, this might be a little bit confusing, but we can also sometimes see urinary retention. Like if there's a cold pathogen blocking the urine, then the urine can't get out. So we could end up with like a edema and water swelling, but, the, but there's a urinary retention where the urine can't come out. So that can be a little bit confusing that we can either have uh, profuse, frequent urination, especially nighttime urination, because the kidney yang is not transforming the fluid, so we have copious urination, or we could have inhibited urination because there's a cold pathogen blocking. It can be go either way. And then we can have um, sexual problems as well, that the kidney governs the lower jaw, the kidney governs essence and sexual reproduction. So we say cold in the uterus or cold in the womb. This could manifest as menstruation issues like difficult, painful menses, but this could also be infertility issues. And in men, this could be sexual problems like impotence or erectile dysfunction because that depends on kidney yang as well. We can have cold in the liver. And this is a little bit weird because normally when you talk about the liver, the liver is usually hot. Like we usually talk about liver heat, liver fire, liver yang rising. We usually don't talk about cold in the liver. So it turns out when we say cold in the liver, we actually don't mean the liver organ. When we say cold in the liver, we mean cold in the liver channel. So if you remember the pathway of the liver channel, it goes up the inside of the leg, it wraps around the external genitals, and then it goes to the lower abdomen. So when we say cold in the liver channel, we're talking about cold in these areas, in the inguinal area, around the genitals, or in the lower abdomen. So that's the area that we're talking about. So we could see lower abdominal pain, and again, we could call this... Um, certain menstruation issues, we could call this cold in the liver channel, either, either cold in the kidney or cold in the liver channel because that liver channel goes to the lower abdomen. So lower abdominal pain, especially before, during menses. But we're especially talking about hernia pain, um, either inguinal hernia or hernia in the lower abdomen. We usually in, in TCM would call this cold or cold stagnation in the liver channel because again the liver channel goes to these areas. Uh, so we can just say hernia pain. The, the Chinese term is shan disorder. Uh, shan uh, sometimes translated as bulging disorder by Bensky. 
I think Wiseman says mounting pain um, because the, the term Sean means mountain, but this is Sean with a disease radical next to it. So it's mounting pain. So it's like a pain in that inguinal area. If you're trying to mount your horse, that might aggravate that pain because you're stretching out that inguinal area. Or maybe if you're trying to mount certain other things, it could also end up with pain in that area around the genitals. Um, so we could just call that hernia pain or it's a bulging disorder, cold mounting pain or mounting disorder. I usually just say Shawn disorder. Just know that we mean hernia pain due to cold in the liver or chi stagnation in the liver channel. We can have cold in the heart, and usually uh, when we have this cold in the heart, it's a combination of kidney yang deficiency plus heart yang deficiency that the kidney is not warming the heart, that the ministerial fire of the kidney is supposed to move upward and warm the sovereign fire of the heart. So when you say cold in the heart, we're usually that's what we're usually talking about. But basically you can feel like chest oppression due to cold in the heart or palpitations, heart palpitations due to cold in the heart. So those are the main organs we're going to see in uh, this category of herbs that warm the interior and expel cold. Those are the signs and symptoms of cold that we're going to see. And that's what we're going to want to pay attention to when we go through these herbs is which of these areas do they uh, expel cold from. Some of them are specifically good for warming the middle jowl. Some of them are specifically good for the kidney and so on. Another thing that we don't have here um, is that we can also have cold in the channels. So some of these herbs will say that they warm the channels to stop pain. So if we have cold in the channels, that can cause obstruction or stagnation of chi and blood. And um, so we might use these herbs alongside our category of herbs that dispel wind dampness or herbs that treat bee syndrome. So especially if we have Bee syndrome, wind, cold, damp, where the cold is predominant, then we might turn to some of these herbs that warm the interior, that some of these herbs warm the channels to, to stop pain. And then another interesting thing in this category is we have certain herbs that treat a condition called yang collapse. So in Chinese, this is called wang yang, as in yang collapse, or devastated yang. Or another term that means the same thing, we can say yang tuol, yang desertion. I think tuol means to, to like to escape or to run away. So we can say yang desertion or yang abandonment. And so basically, this is a condition where the yang or the yang chi of the body suddenly leaves. It suddenly collapses or it suddenly deserts the body and you just don't have any more yang chi. And so this is critical debilitation of yang chi marked by sweating, sometimes like profuse oily sweating, like there's not enough chi to keep the... Um, to to hold the sweat in so this isn't this isn't like sweating because you're hot this is sweating due to severe deficiency where the fluids are just leaking out or pouring out um basic signs of cold 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 skin cold limbs cold body an absence of thirst because there's cold uh curled up lying posture i think this is uh in america we would call this curled up into the field position but uh, apparently in china what they say is curled up into the shrimp position, which I think looks kind of cute, like you're curled up like a little shrimp. 
Um, but basically, you're you're so cold, you don't have enough yang qi in your body that your body be, begins to collapse in on itself, or you can just think that you're really cold, so you huddle in on yourself to try to stay warm. But we have this curled up lying posture, and the pulse is going to be deep or submerged uh, in terms of its depth, and because this is an interior condition, and the pulse is going to be thin or fine because there's not enough substance to fill up the vessel. Or in severe cases, we can we can go further to say that this is the hidden pulse that you you can't feel it. It's a faint pulse. It's bare or it's barely perceptible. So there's just not enough yang there to to circulate things or to have the heart move the blood. So we have this faint or barely perceptible pulse. So we will have certain herbs in this category that treat this condition of yang collapse, or I just call it tool syndrome. This yang desertion or yang collapse. And basically, this is a severe condition. This would be, this would normally happen that if you had a long enduring illness that your body weakens and the yang can just desert or collapse. Or it usually happens after something like, um, severe vomiting, severe diarrhea, severe continuous diarrhea, um, severe sweating or something like loss of blood, like you had some injury trauma and the blood is just leaking out, that the yang qi will flow out with the blood. So basically this is this is like an emergency condition. We might say this is similar to someone going into shock if you wanted a, a Western analogy. So that's called yang collapse or yang desertion. And so here we have certain herbs that warm the interior that rescue devastated yang or rescue yang from collapse. So that's something that we'll want to pay attention to as well in this category. So this is a slide. I think this uh, summarizes everything we just said that we're here we're dealing with interior cold as opposed to exterior cold like the warm acrid herbs. Here we're dealing with interior cold and this could be either excess cold or deficiency cold. So an excess pathogen works its way inward or you ate a lot of ice cream and caused excess cold in your middle jowl or we could have um, a deficiency cold like some yang deficiency but we just have to know that when we talk about cold due to yang deficiency these herbs are more about scattering the cold and treating the cold symptoms we would have to use additional herbs that tonify yang to treat the root causes we can have cold in all these places i think something i didn't mention before is the pulse is going to be slow because a uh, cold causes things to slow down so we'll feel a slow pulse uh, the pulse could be tight as well remember uh, the tight pulse is a sign of excess cold. A tight pulse is kind of like a wiry pulse, but it's thicker in diameter. So usually when we say a wiry pulse, we say it's, it's a thin, like a wire, like a guitar string or like a zither string. But when we talk about the tight pulse, we're talking about a thick rope that's tautly wound. And so that's what we mean by the tight pulse indication of excess cold. The tongue is going to be pale or blue because of the cold. Some cautions we should pay attention to here is that these herbs are warm. They're warm, they're acrid, and because they're dispersing the cold, and some of them are drying. So we have to worry about they could cause heat signs, or we want to use caution in cases of yin deficiency and dryness, that they could exacerbate those, um, those conditions, or long-term use could eventually damage the yin and blood, or if we use too large of a dosage, we could actually cause heat signs, which we don't want. So those are our cautions and contraindications. 
when you look at the properties of the er these herbs, the, the taste is acrid. Remember, the acrid flavor moves and disperses. So here we're dispersing the cold. We have this cold pathogen blocking things and mucking things up. So we're dispersing the cold. The temperature is going to be warm, or we could even say hot in temperature. This, uh, this category has some herbs that we call the three hot herbs, that they're not just warming in temperature, they're hot in temperature. The entering channels really depend on what area we're warming, that we went through all of those. And so this could be, we're warming the kidney, we're warming the middle jowl, we're warming the heart, we're warming the lung, we're warming the liver. When we say the liver, we're warming the liver channel, not the liver organ. So it really depends on what area it's warming. And I would say that's something we want to pay attention to, that some herbs have a specialty of warming certain areas. But by and large, I would say that most of these herbs are warming the middle jowl. And so that's something that we'll see come, come up. Cautions and contraindications. These herbs are warm, acrid, and drying. So it that's kind of the point though, is we're, we're trying to warm and disperse cold, but if the patient is already warm, we want to use caution here. We want to use, we want to be careful that we don't create too much warmth and swing too far the other direction and uh, cause heat signs. And so we'll want to use caution with uh, yin deficiency and blood deficiency as well. So these herbs warm the interior and expel cold because that's the name of the category and they can be used for both excess and deficiency cold. And basically I'm emphasizing this point here because later we'll get into the category herbs that tonify yang and these herbs tonify kidney yang and tonify spleen yang. And so some people start asking what's the difference between warming the interior and tonifying yang. And so that's kind of where I'm going with this is that these herbs are used for both excess and deficient uh, conditions, and they're more about treating the branch uh, manifestations of cold. They don't necessarily tonify. But we do often combine these with herbs that tonify yang. So if we have cold due to yang deficiency, it's very often that we'll use herbs from this category to scatter the cold, and then we'll combine them with herbs that tonify yang to treat the root condition. So... Those are our properties for herbs that warm the interior and expel cold. And here's our list of herbs. This is a relatively short category, I think, or maybe it looks long, but it's kind of like the first three or four are the main herbs. And then the last set, those are more like food herbs. They're, they're things that are used in cooking. And so they, they kind of just all have this action of warming the middle jowl. So um, not a long category, and I would say the first three or the first four are definitely the most important. So these first three herbs are what we call the three hot herbs. These are some of the warmest herbs in our Materia Medica, and they're all hot in temperature. Normally, when we look at herbs, we say they're warm or slightly warm. These herbs are straight up hot in temperature, and so they can be used for severe conditions of cold. So our first one is Chirfutsu. Aconiti radix lateralis preparata. Zhe Aconiti radix lateralis preparata. This is aconite root. And so this is a very this is a very commonly used herb. This is a very important herb, and so we definitely want to know all of the things about Jurfutsa. So first, Jurfutsa warms the interior because that's the name of the category. So when we say it warms the interior, it warms the kidney yang. So it warms the kidney for all of those things we talked about, like aversion to cold, cold limbs, sore back, weak legs, frequent urination or impotence, all those things we talked about that are related to cold in the kidneys. 
Jirafutsa warms the spleen as well for all those things we talked about, like abdominal pain that's better with warmth or loose stools. When there's cold in the spleen, the spleen can't transform the food, so we end up with loose stools and diarrhea. And Jirafutsa also warms the heart, especially for chest pain and palpitations. So Jirafutsa warms all those things. It doesn't warm all the yang, but primarily the, the kidney, spleen, and heart. And the other thing about Jirafutsa is this is one that has the action of rescuing devastated yang or rescuing yang from collapse. So this is for yang collapse or tool syndrome when the yang has deserted the body and we have these symptoms of extreme cold. You're curled up like a shrimp. You're very cold. The sweat is pouring out. Your pulse is faint or almost imperceptible. It's like you're going into shock. We can use Jirafutsa to rescue that devastated yang or return that yang and restore the pulse. So Jirafutsa is very important for this action as well. And then we can say Jirafutsa warms the channels as well for cold in the channels. And so this is going to be for pain and B syndrome where cold is predominant. So if, you, if we just have cold in the channels, that can cause uh pain in the joints, pain in the limbs, or we could say B syndrome, like a wind cold, damp B syndrome, where the cold is predominant. And then this is also, this is kind of a weird one, but it comes up in the textbooks. It also warms the channels to treat yin-type flat abscesses. So these are diffuse flat uh, abscesses that are unruptured. So there might be some pus, but the, the, the abscesses haven't ruptured. And I think what we're talking about here, the, we, the reason we say yin-type abscess is normally when we talk about things like abscesses, sores, and boils, we're talking about heat toxicity. Remember, we had that category, herbs that clear heat and resolve toxicity. And there we were talking about like red, swollen, angry welts, things with pus. We could have damp heat with this uh, thick, yellow, foul-smelling pus um, that's like red and painful. That would be the type of sore. That would be a yang-type sore that's due to heat. Here, what we're talking about is we also have yin-type sores that are due to cold, and futsa can warm the channels and scatter this cold to take care of those yin-type flat abscesses. So that is Jirafutsa, Akinidi radix lateralis preparata. And the thing, one of the things we need to know about futsa is it's very toxic in nature. And so that's what the jur means, the preparata, that this uh, futsa is toxic in its raw form. So we have to prepare it in a certain way in order to reduce its toxicity. And so futsa can be prepared in a couple different ways that I think the most common is involved ginger. I think we've talked about this before with Shengjiang, where it can be uh, certain herbs can be prepared with either ginger slices or ginger juice to reduce their toxicity. Remember, we have the same thing with uh, ban sha from the uh, phlegm category. That ban sha is toxic in its raw form, so we prepare it with ginger and it becomes jirban sha, and its toxicity is reduced. Here we have the same thing with futsa, that futsa is toxic in its raw form, so we prepare it with ginger and it becomes jirfutsa. I think we actually also have another method of preparation where you can boil it uh, with gansao, licorice root, and black soybean. And so that's another type of preparation for reducing its toxicity. And I think we use that especially when we want to rescue devastated yang, that preparing it with 
uh, licorice root is a better for rescuing devastated young. But when we want to warm the interior and scatter the cold, we prepare it with shengjiang because um, ginger is also a very warming um, medicinal. Also, it's just very common that formulas with Jerfutsa will also have ginger in the formula to further reduce the toxicity. So on the one hand, we're pre-preparing the futsa, but then we're also cooking it with um, ginger. And then also important, we have this special cooking instruction. This might be too small to read, but that says boil to 30 boil 30 to 60 minutes longer or boil for 30 to 60 minutes before you add the rest of the herbs. So basically what you do here is if you have a formula that contains futsa, you would first uh, get your pot of boiling water, put in the jirfutsa, and let it boil for 30 to 60 minutes. And that additional boiling time will further reduce the toxicity. After it's boiled by itself for about an hour, then you add in the rest of the herbs and cook it for the rest of the time, another 30 minutes to cook the rest of the herbs. So that's our special cooking instruction for jirfutsa. Um this one is kind of funny. I had a Chinese teacher who would say that, um, how do you know if you've boiled it long enough? How do you know if you've actually reduced the toxicity? Well, the way, the way you test it is you take your futsa and you boil it for half an hour and then you get a little teaspoon and you just get, uh, dunk your teaspoon in there just a little bit and take a sip. And you'd say that if your tongue goes numb, that's a sign that you haven't cooked it long enough. So if you take some uh, uh, futsa and your tongue goes numb, that's a sign that it's still toxic and you need to cook it longer. And I always just thought that was kind of funny. That just sounds like a, a very Maoist China thing when you're like, does this taste poisonous to you? Or like, how do we know if it's poisonous? Well, taste it and see if it see if it poisons you. And that's how you know. Um, so basically, futsa is very toxic in its raw form. You would never use raw futsa internally. You might use it externally for some of this uh, pain due to cold in the channels, but futsa, you would never use it internally in its raw form. And when I talk about these preparation methods, it's not like you order raw futsa and you have to stir fry it your, yourself, that when you order it from your herb supplier, you're ordering the prepared form. It's already been prepared for you. You just have to follow the additional cooking instruction of cooking it 60 minutes longer than the rest of the herbs. And similar, I think we said the same thing about bancha, that it's just that because we always use futsa or jir futsa in its prepared form, a lot of times when you talk about this herb, we just drop the jir. So if you just say futsa, everyone will assume that you mean jir futsa. Same thing with bansha. If you just say bansha, everyone will assume that you mean jir bansha because there's no reason you would use unprepared. If you want the unprepared version, you would have to specifically say sheng futsa or sheng bansha. And here, shung means raw. So that's something important that we need to know about the, the toxicity. It's toxic in its raw form. It has certain toxic alkaloids that we can actually isolate and identify. And it turns out that when we prepare it in one of these ways, either with ginger or with licorice, that reduces those toxic alkaloids by about like 90 to 95%. Then when we cook it for 30 to 60 minutes, that destroys the rest of those toxic alkaloids. So even though we emphasize that futsa is toxic in nature, if you get the prepared form, which any reputable herb supplier would give you, and if you follow this cooking instruction, futsa is relatively safe to use. That we would still want to stick within this dosage range of not going over more than 15 to 20 grams. But if we follow those instructions and stay within that dosage range, futsa is relatively safe to use. 
So we have some additional notes that you might not be able to read on this slide, but if you download the handouts, you can read that. So it has symptoms of FUTSA and po poisoning include numbness, abdominal pain, nausea, and palpitation. Um, so you can look up more of the, I think both Bensky and Wiseman and Brand have some additional ones, but those are the basic ones. If we want to treat that FUTSA poisoning, we can use ganjang or ginger root. We can use gansao licorice root, and then we can also use ludo. If you remember, ludo is mung bean. We talked about that <clears throat> in the heat toxicity category, and there we said one of ludo's functions was to detoxify futsa poisoning. So if you do have futsa and you get these symptoms, those are some things you can do to remedy it. But we should also know that futsa is contraindicated during pregnancy. So that's Jirafutsa. If we want to say a little bit more about uh, this is what Futsa looks like, the aconite plant looks like. And so um, the Latin word aconite means dart or javelin. And so one reason it has this name possibly is because in old times people would use this to poison their arrows or poison their javelins when they were going out hunting. So that just tells us that aconite or this plant is very poisonous. It also goes by other common names like monkshood and wolfsbane. So if you've watched uh, or if you've read Harry Potter in the first book, this is one of the first things that Severus Snape asks Harry. He says, what's the difference between monkshood and wolfsbane? And he says they are the same plant that also goes by the name aconite. So that's what he's talking about here. We say monkshood, that's referring to the shape of the flowers, that it looks like the hood that a monk would wear. I think it also goes by the name devil's helmet as well in Greek. Uh, because they thought it looked like a helmet. And then it can be called wolf's bane or leopard's bane, again, because they would use this as poison. They would, If they had a wolf problem, they would use this to poison wolves. So I just, again, say this to emphasize that this is a toxic herb. We need to make sure that we prepare it properly. And something interesting about the root structure here is that that plant was the, the flower. What we use are the root of uh the aconite plant, and the root structure looks kind of weird, that you have this main root that comes down, and then you have another root off to the, the side that we call the accessory root, the daughter root, or the lateral root. So the aconite, has, uh, aconite plant has two roots, a main root and an accessory root. So futsa is this accessory root. That's why the Latin name is Aconiti radix lateralis preparata. It's referring to the lateral root, the accessory root. And then this is just something that you may see come up in formulas. When you start studying formulas and you look at the name of formulas, sometimes it will say uh, ginseng and aconite accessory root or something like that. And you're like, what does it mean accessory? That's just they're referring to this name that this is the accessory root, the daughter root or the lateral root. So just sometimes you see that come up in the English translations of formula names. But this main root uh, used to be called Wu To, which means raven's head. Wu means raven or crow, or it refers to that color, that dark black color. When we talk about things like oolong tea, that wu is the same wu as in dark or black. So that main root uh, used to be just be known as Wu To, raven's head, but now it turns out we actually distinguish between two varieties. So we have Chanwu, Aconite radix, and this is uh, uh, aconite that comes from Sichuan province specifically. 
And then we have Tsawu, which is wild Akin, like Akinini Kuznazofi Radix is just a, a wild aconite. So it's two different varieties. And this is just something that comes up a lot that we we sometimes do this. Remember, we had like Jubemu and Chuanbemu. That one is from Zhejiang province and one is from Sichuan province. And they have slightly different properties. It's the same thing here with Wu To that we have a Sichuan version and then a wild version. And they have slightly different properties. So Futsa, Chuanwu, and Sawu are all in this category, herbs that warm the interior, and they're all toxic. They all come from the same plant. They, they're all toxic. They all have to be prepared in this way of uh, stir-frying with ginger. And they're pretty much never used, at least internally, they're never used in their raw form. You might occasionally have some external liniments that might use the raw form of these herbs. So Jerfutsa is better at warming the interior um, warming the spleen, warming the kidney, warming the heart, rescuing devastated yang. Whereas that main root, Chan Wu and Sao are better for treating wind and bee syndrome, for treating that cold in the channels. When we have cold blocking the channels, causing joint pain, or even causing numbness, tingling, numbness, tingling, and paralysis. So that's what we use Chan Wu and Sao Wu for. So, um, Tsawu of the two, Tsawu, the wild one, is even stronger and more accurate than Chanwu. We say it scours out wind. So with other herbs, when we talk about wind, we sometimes say that they extinguish internal wind. With this one, we're going a, a step further to say it scours out the wind. I think we maybe talked about this with Baihuashe, that, that the snake seeks out and tracks down wind. This is the same thing. It's not just extinguishing wind. It's scouring out wind. And that's referring to its very strong nature. It should not be used lightly. It's used almost exclusively as a topical application. That's kind of true, as we'll see. And then something that else we should talk about is remember at the very beginning, we talked about the uh, ways to combine herbs and we talked about the 18 incompatible herbs. When we talk about the 18 incompatible herbs, there's actually three categories of incompatible herbs and the totals up to 18. So I think... Uh, Last time when in the um, in the phlegm category, or we, we talked about uh, herbs that are incompatible with gansao, included some harsh expellents and haizao and kumbu, so that came up with a haizao and kumbu. Um, but here, uh, these are the herbs that are incompatible with futsa. So beimu, both chuanbeimu and jubeimu from the phlegm category, bansha from the phlegm category, baiji, uh, gualo also from the phlegm category. Um, so this is just a question that like they like to ask a lot on, I've got, I feel like I've gotten this question on every test, whether it's finals, year ends or boards, they just seem to always like to ask at least one question about the 18 incompatible herbs. And so you'll just want to know that Futsa is incompatible with the phlegmy ones like Beimu, Bansha and Gualo. And also just that when we say Futsa is incompatible, it means all of these forms of aconite. So sometimes when they actually ask the question, it won't be which herbs are incompatible with Futsa. They'll say which herbs are incompatible with Wu To or which herbs are incompatible with aconite. And so just remember that um, Gansao is incompatible with the harsh expellents. Futsa is incompatible or aconite is incompatible with the phlegmy ones. So for us, uh, we just did all that thing about Chan Wu and Sao Wu. 
those herbs come up in one formula that we learn, but I just am going to include this as a separate slide because it turns out Sawu is on the NCCM herb list. So if you're in school, you may or may not have this herb on your syllabus, or it may just be enough to know enough from the previous slide. But if you're uh, studying for NCCM boards, Sawu is on that list. For some weird reason, Sawu is, but Chanwu is not. And so Sawu, we said this is the Kuznizofi one. This is wild aconite. And this is the one that scours out wind, disperses cold, and stops pain. This can be for B syndrome, like a cold predominant B syndrome. But it can also be for hemiplasia due to wind stroke. So half of your body is paralyzed. So this is so good at scouring out wind and dispersing cold blockage that it can restore that function and restore that movement. Cold pain in the chest and abdomen or pain due to injury and trauma. And we say, Bensky says, this is almost exclusively used topically, and we'll see that there is an exception to this. We do learn one formula where Chanwu and Sawu present together as ingredients for that formula, and that's for uh, this case of like hemiplasia and B syndrome. That's what we use it for. But again, this is going to be, have to be uh, prepared in the same way. It's very toxic, so we prepare it in a similar way, either stir-frying with ginger or boiling it with gansao and black soybean. We still have this instruction of boiling it 30 to 60 minutes longer than the rest of the decoction in order to reduce its toxicity. And this one is also contraindicated during pregnancy. So those are the aconite herbs. After that is ganjang, zingiberis rhizoma. Gan Jiang Zingiberis Rhizoma, and this is dried ginger root. So Gan Jiang dried ginger. Earlier in the warm acrid herbs that release the exterior category, we we learned Shang Jiang fresh ginger, which remember it also had some action of warming the middle and treating nausea and vomiting. Well, here we're learning Gan Jiang. It's considered a different medicinal, and it's in this category of warming the interior. So ganjang, zingiberis rhizoma, warms the interior. It's especially good at warming the middle jowl for all of those things we talked about, like abdominal pain, nausea, and vomiting. So ganjang is ginger. Usually what I say here is like even people who don't study Chinese medicine know that you can drink ginger tea when you have an upset stomach. And so we just need to know that this is specifically for upset stomach due to cold. So ganjang is especially useful for warming the middle jowl or warming the spleen stomach, treating abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting. But um, ganjang also has an action of warming the lung and transforming phlegm. So again, when we talked about in the beginning, we said we can get cold in the lung and that cold can cause the fluids to congeal into phlegm. Well, ganjang can disperse that cold to deal with that phlegm. And so that's why I say uh, ganjang warms the lung and transforms phlegm. I don't know if I want to get into this. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into this. So if we look, um, I think if you look in Bensky, he'll specifically say that ganjang warms the lung and transforms thin phlegm or transforms thin mucus. I actually don't remember because I think in the single herb book, he says transforms thin mucus. In the formula book, he says transforms thin phlegm. And so this is something that people get kind of confused about, like what is thin mucus, what is thin phlegm? Well, it turns out 
We may have talked about this in the phlegm category, but when we talk about phlegm, there are two types. There's tan and yin. So tan is the thick phlegm. It's like the, the thick sputum that you cough out. Yin is a thin phlegm. It's a thin, more watery form of phlegm. And so this Chinese term yin, uh, Bensky translates it as thin mucus or thin phlegm, whereas Nigel Weissman translates it as room, as in um, rheumatism or rheumatoid arthritis, like a fluid collection. And so it turns out when we say this room or this thin phlegm, there, there are specifically four types of room or thin phlegm. We can have uh, this thin phlegm in the stomach and intestines causing vomiting. We can have thin phlegm under the ribs um, causing ribside pain. We can have thin phlegm in the lung. We call that propping room or propping thin phlegm. The idea here is that the, the person has to stay propped up. They can't lie down. If they lie down, all that phlegm settles and they start coughing and they have a coughing fit. So they have to sleep propped up, like propped up on some pillows. So we call that propping room. Or we have spillage room where the, the thin phlegm spills out into the forelimbs and we get swelling of the forelimbs. So I just like to bring that up because sometimes people see this term in Bensky where it says, transforms thin mucus or transforms thin phlegm. And they're like, what does it mean, thin mucus? Sometimes people get confused and they think we're talking about like a runny nose or some post-nasal drip. And that's not what we're talking about. So if you see this in Bensky where he says transforms thin phlegm, that's a very specific condition or four specific conditions. And here Ganjong is for that propping room or that thin phlegm in the lung where we get cough with copious stringy, white, foamy phlegm. And so that's what we mean when we say it warms the lung and transforms thin phlegm. So those are the things we want to know about ganjong and warming the interior. It warms the middle and it warms the lung. So not so much the kidney or anything else, but warms the middle jowl especially. And then we have a few applications where we use it to warm the lung. The other thing we need to know is ganjong is another one that rescues devastated yang to treat yang collapse or pool syndrome. So of the herbs in this category, it's these first two that rescue devastated yang. So Futsa and Ganjong are used together to treat yang collapse, to treat tool syndrome, or we could say Futsa and Ganjong are used together to rescue devastated yang. Another function that Bensky puts this as a, as a third function, but I'm just going to put this as a footnote in the bottom, that we can also use Ganjong to stop bleeding. Um, remember when we talked about the, the stop bleeding category, we said there are, there are several causes of bleeding, but one of them is bleeding due to deficiency cold. So ganjong in warming the interior, it can also treat bleeding due to deficiency cold as well. But the reason I put it as a footnote is if you're going to use it for this action, you're going to use the this toasted version, paojiang. And so this is sometimes called toasted ginger or blast fried ginger. But basically the way this works is if you've ever seen it, um, they, they take little bits of ginger root and just stir fry it quickly in a wok. I think sometimes they call it scorch fried as well, but it begins to blister and blacken a little bit on the outside. So even though we saw, even though we call it toasted ginger, it's really more like charred ginger. And so remember that's one of the ways we can enhance an herb's ability to stop bleeding is by using it in its charred form. So Paojiang is basically charred ginger and it has this action of stopping bleeding 
due to cold. So if you remember, the other herb that we learned that has that action was aye mugwort. So that might be something that these two herbs would be used together. Aye and paojiang would be used together to stop bleeding. So that's something that Bensky mentions here, but other books will actually talk about paojiang as a separate herb, and they'll put it in that category, herbs that stop bleeding. So personally, I think it belongs there. But if you're studying Bensky, know that he does have this action that ganjang also stops bleeding. But here we're talking about bleeding due to cold. And I think we're specifically talking about uh, uterine bleeding due to deficiency cold, so like profuse menses, flooding and spotting due to colds from deficiency, same like what we would use IEA for, or this can be used for blood in the stool because it's uh, helping with, by warming the middle jowl, it's helping with diarrhea, so if you have diarrhea with blood in the stool, it's kind of helping with both. And also, I think this is an interesting note that I didn't know before, but when I was going through this, uh, this kind of popped out and I thought it was fun that when we talk about the difference between shengjiang and ganjiang, shengjiang is the fresh ginger from the warm acid release the exterior category. Ganjiang is dry ginger from the warm the interior category. But also the difference is shengjiang is fresh ginger, but it's harvested in the summertime. So because it's harvested earlier in the year, the rhizome is like softer and more tender. Whereas ganjang is um, harvested in the winter. So it's harvested later in the year. It's older and tougher and um, kind of thinking like a grumpy old man. But I think because it's, um, it's har- because it's harvested in the winter, it's experienced that cold. So now it has a better action of warming the interior. So that's just a, also an interesting note about ganjang. And so as for the name, uh, ganjang just means gin- dried ginger. Remember, jiang means ginger. So we had things like shengjiang is fresh ginger, ganjang is dried ginger, and we had jianghuang or turmeric, which is yellow ginger. So that's a word that we see come up sometimes as jiang means ginger. Anyway, for ganjang, I would remember primarily warms the middle jowl, but also has an action of warming the lung. And this is another one that has this action of rescuing devastated yang. Next one, the last of our three hot herbs is ro gui cinnamomy cortex. Ro gui cinnamomy cortex. And this is cinnamon bark. So again, remember in our first category, warm acrid herbs that release the exterior, we learned Gui jur cinnamon twig. Well, now we're learning ro gui, or it's sometimes called ro gui pea cinnamon bark. So this is another one of our hot herbs. So this one has a lot of functions, and we probably need to know all of them. So ro gui, like the category name, it warms the interior. So it's good for warming the kidney, warming the spleen, and warming the heart. And here when we say warming the heart is especially good for chest B or chest oppression due to cold. So I think we've talked about this before when we talk about chest B, this chest pain, this angina-like pain. We have different causes. We could have um, chest B to, to, due to phlegm, where we'd use herbs like gua lo. We can have chest B due to blood stagnation, where we'd use herbs like dan shen, salvia miltiorizirax. Well, here we're talking about chest pain due to cold, and ro gui is a very important herb for chest pain due to cold. But you can see that this warms the kidney, warms the spleen, warms the heart. It's very similar to futsa in this way. So in fact, futsa and rogue are often used together as paired herbs, especially when we're dealing with 
um, kidney yang deficiency or cold due to kidney yang deficiency, we'll see futsa and ro wei appear together in those formulas for tonifying kidney yang. So uh, futsa and ro wei very similar, but I would just remember that futsa is the one that can rescue devastated yang. Ro wei does not have this action of rescuing devastated yang, but otherwise they're kind of similar. And also similar to Futsa is Rogue also warms the channels for uh, B syndrome and yin type flat abscesses. And it's also good for amenorrhea or dysmenorrhea. So that's something we could say it warms the channels or by warming the kidney, it, it's good for that. Um, when cold causes things to congeal and causes stagnation in the lower jowl. So you can think that the kidney governs, governs the lower jowl. The kidney has something to do with the menses. So if we have amenorrhea due to cold stagnation or painful menses due to cold stagnation, rogue way can warm the channels to help with that situation. And this is kind of an interesting one, uh, rogue way. We have a couple ways uh, you can say this. We can say that rogue way returns floating heat to its source. It guides heat to descend or anchors floating heat. And so basically this is for a situation of kidney and heart not communicating, where if we have if we have some kidney yang deficiency and um, that yang isn't rooted in the kidneys, it will start to float upwards and cause heat signs in the upper body. So this can cause heat signs in the heart like anxiety, restlessness, and, and insomnia. It can also cause heat signs further up like redness in the face and mouth sores. And so that's really interesting because when we have this situation where the yang is not rooted and it's floated up, these will look like heat signs but the patient will feel cold in their lower body because this is a cold condition. When you take the pulse, it's going to be slow and weak. When you look at the tongue, um, it's still going to be pale. So we could say this is heat is floating up. We can use rogue way to descend that floating heat. We can use the rogue way to guide that heat back to its source in the kidney. And so this is something we can call heat above and cold below when the yang is floating upwards. This is something we can call false heat with true cold, that we have these heat signs in the upper body, but those are false signs. They're misleading signs. The true condition is one of cold. So that's why I say false heat with true cold. Or we can say this is a form of kidney and heart not communicating, that the kidney is supposed to uh, warm the warm the, the fire of the heart. But if the kidney yang is deficient, it floats upward and actually causes too much heat in the heart. So this could be a form of kidney and heart not communicating. And to use rogue way, we can use, either use it internally in a decoction or we can use it externally by grinding it into a powder and putting it on the foot at kidney one. So I'll be honest here, um, when I look in the books, it only has the internal use of rogue way for this, that if we have this uh, heat floating upwards, we can use rogue way internally to descend it. However, when I was in school, my herbs teacher uh, very clearly stated that rogue could also be used externally on kidney one for those situations as well. So I just like to include it here. But if you're going strictly by the book, I don't think that Bensky mentions that application, but I still just like to include it. So that's another important one that rogue uh, guides heat to descend or returns heat to its source. And then this is another funny one. We say that rogue encourages the generation of chi and blood. And this is kind of funny because it's like we would never go so far to say that rogue way tonifies chi or rogue way tonifies blood, 
But what we're saying is that because Rogueway is warming, because it adds some yang to the body, that that can help encourage the formation of qi and blood. And so uh, kind of a way we can explain this is there's this passage in chapter 5 of the Su Wen where it says, Zhuang huo san qi, shao huo sheng qi, which means a great fire scatters qi or dissipates qi. A small fire generates qi. Or actually, I think I said this once and somebody corrected me and said it's not actually zhuang huo san qi, it's zhuang huo shi qi, that a great fire eats qi. So I went and looked it up, and I think it's it's actually appears both ways in the Neijing. That so a, a great fire, if you add lots of heat, that will eat up your chi, it will burn away your chi, or it will disperse your chi. So if you use, if you use a great fire, a big fire, a large dosage of warming herbs, that will actually scatter your chi and make things worse. But if you just use a a small fire, a small dosage of some warming herbs, that can help generate the chi generate both qi and blood. So we will see some applications of this where we combine this with certain tonifying herbs like in the formula Shishuan Dabutong. We have, we use herbs that tonify qi and blood and then we add a small amount of rogue in there to help with that generation. Or sometimes people even say this applies to Jingwei Shen Qi Wan when we're trying to tonify kidney yang that we use a, a small amount of rogue to, to help um, with its tonifying properties. So sometimes the way I think about this is that this doesn't actually tonify blood, but you can maybe think that the process of creating blood, that creation process, is a very yang process. So on the one on the one hand, we need the raw materials to create the blood. We need the nutrients to create the blood. But the actual building process of the formation and putting it together, that's a yang process. So by adding this in, it's it's kind of like... Maybe if you had some, uh, you hired some workers to build you a brick wall. That you need the bricks to build the wall. You need the workers to build the wall. But uh, your workers are a little bit tired and lazy, so you come come and give them some caffeine, and that really uh, amps them up. And now they now they are able to build the wall quicker and faster. And so that's rogue way is just adding some yang to help that process of generating the qi and generating the blood. So we would never go so far as to say that rogue way tonifies qi or rogue way tonifies blood, but we do say that rogue way encourages the generation of qi and blood, and that will come up in one or two formulas when we get to formula class. So that's another important thing about rogue way cinnamon bark. And then notice with a rogue way that the dosage is a little bit smaller than normal. So we say one and a half to four and a half grams. Um, so not the normal three to nine grams, but it's a little bit smaller. And then something that I think a lot of people forget is that this cooking instruction that this one should be added during the last five minutes of cooking that. If you get really good rogue way pea, it's actually the really good stuff from China is a little bit purplish in color. And it's also, if you feel it, it's really oily. Like if you wrap it in paper, it'll like make your paper greasy. And so I think it's like it has these uh, very spicy aromatic oils. And if we boil it too long, it will destroy some of those some of those oils. So we should follow this cooking instruction of adding it during the last five minutes of cooking. Or we can grind it into a powder and um, just swallow it as a pill in a powder. And 
That's actually kind of convenient because I think now nowadays it's really common that you can just find cinnamon in the um, the the vitamin section of grocery store. That a lot of people use cinnamon as a way to lower their blood sugar. So this is something that if you wanted an easy way to add cinnamon, you could you could buy it in pill form, or or you could just get the powder and like put it in your oatmeal in the morning if you wanted to get a little bit of rogue way in your diet to help with that formation of qi and blood to add a little bit of warm yang to your diet that's a really easy way to do it in food therapy as well so that's rogue way cinnamon bark that's the last of our three hot herbs again very similar to foods in, in terms of warming the kidney warming the spleen warming the heart warming the channels but we should know that it does not rescue devastated yang so that's a difference but then it also has this action of returning floating heat to its source and encouraging the generation of chi and blood. So that's rogue way, cinnamon bark. So those are the three hot herbs. I would say that these are by far the most important herbs in this category. And um, those are the ones you're going to see most commonly come up in formulas. The other, the other one, Wu Yu, is actually a, a fairly common or a somewhat important herb as well. But I'd say if you remember one thing about wujuyu, you should think that wujuyu is good for vomiting. So that's our next one. Wujuyu, avodia fructus. Wujuyu, avodia fructus. So wujuyu, it um, warms the interior, and this one, it especially warms the middle jowl. And its specialty is for rebellious stomach chi, such as nausea and vomiting. So the way you can remember this one is when you say wujuyu, that sounds like you could say wujuyu stop vomiting. So it sounds like would you stop vomiting. So you can think of a person who's there just constantly vomiting and you're like upset with having to clean up all their vomit and you're just like wujuyu stop vomiting. So you can give them some wujuyu to treat your vomiting. But again, this is going to be specifically for vomiting due to cold. This is another hot herb. So you'd use it for rebellious stomach cheats, such as nausea and vomiting for cold patterns. And also for our cold pattern diarrhea. So I think technically in Bensky, he says you could, this can warm the middle jowl to treat diarrhea as well. But I think that in most of our applications, we'll see that Wujuyu is there for vomiting. Wujuyu also warms the liver channel and stops pain, especially when we're talking about um, uh, that hernia pain or Shawn disorder because the liver channel goes up the leg, it goes to the inguinal crease, it wraps around the genitals and goes to the lower abdomen. So we can say it's for hernia pain, pain and contraction of the testicles or painful menses because the liver channel, the liver has to do with blood. So the liver kind of has governs um, or has something to do with menstruation and the liver channel goes to the lower abdomen. So that's, that's the area of the, the lower jaw as well. So it's uh, also for painful menses and hernia pain. And this one also returns floating heat to a sor its source, same as Rogueway. But for this one, we're talking more specifically about the symptoms of uh, sores on the mouth and tongue. So it's like the heat is floating up and it's getting into the face. As far as I know, we don't really say this so much for like the Shen problems, like irritability, insomnia, anxiety, like we do with Rogue Way. But we're talking about sores on the mouth and tongue. But again, you can think that the heart sprouts in the tongue. So maybe that's similar. But this one, we actually don't use it internally. Like with Rogue Cinnamon Bark, we can use that internally in decoction. This one, we would only use externally. And the way you do that is you grind it into a powder, you mix it with vinegar so it forms a paste, and then you place it on the sole of the, put, sole of the foot 
or specifically on Kidney One. So Wujuyu also has this action of returning floating heat to a source, but it's only used externally on this application. Um, so again, Wujuyu, its specialty is for treating vomiting. So hopefully you can just remember Wujuyu stop vomiting, and you know that Wujuyu is good for vomiting. And what's interesting about this is Wujuyu is a hot herb. So we say it's for vomiting due to cold, cold conditions, but it turns out that Wujuyu is so good at treating vomiting, we can actually use it for vomiting due to heat. We just have to combine it with cold herbs to change the temperature of the formula. So I think we, we've seen this before when we, when we use herbs that are the wrong temperature. Like with Ban Sha, we said that Ban Sha is so good at transforming phlegm that we'll even use it for hot phlegm. We just have to combine it with colder herbs. So Ban Sha by itself is for phlegm cold, but we can use it for hot phlegm. We just have to combine it with other herbs like Huang Qin, Dan Nan Xing, Juru, these other herb, these other um cold herbs that will change the temperature of the formula. So you have the same thing here with Wujuyu, that it's so good at stopping vomiting that we'll even use it for vomiting due to heat. We just have to combine it with cold herbs like Huanglian. So we'll see that pop up in one of our formulas. And here we say the dosage is a little bit smaller than average as well. So that's Wujuyu. I would remember Wujuyu stop vomiting. So after that, we get into our last set of herbs, and I would say that these herbs are a little bit less important. These herbs you don't see used as commonly, but also these herbs tend to be used, they're kind of like food herbs. They're like spices you might have in your cabinet. So Gaoliangjong is galangal root, huajiao is Sichuan peppercorn. You might not have it in your cabinet, but it's very common in Chinese cooking. Dingxiang is clove, Xiaohuishang is fennel seed, Biba and Hujiao are different types of pepper. So these are more kind of like food herbs or spices that we would use in cooking. And they pretty much all warm the middle jiao. So some of them have some extra specialties, but they're, they're pretty much all good for warming the middle jiao as well. So maybe we can go through these a little bit quicker. So we have Gaoliangjiang, Alpinii officicarum rhizoma, Gaoliangjiang, Alpinii officicarum. A thickerum rhizoma. This is galangal root. I'm actually not sure if I'm saying that correctly, if it's galangal or galangal. I think I feel like I've heard it both ways. I feel like this is one of those things that, like, if Uncle Roger were watching, he'd be like, ah, he doesn't say uga, he goes, hiya. You can't even pronounce galangjong correctly. Um, so this is very commonly used in, I think, um, especially Thai food is where I've seen it. That I think if you go to an American grocery store, it's unlikely that you would find a galangal root. But if you go to uh, an Asian market, um, it's, very, it's very easy to find this. And to me, it looks very similar to ginger root that in their raw form, they look the same. But I know that I've talked to people there that say like, oh, I can't find galangal. Can I just use ginger? And they're like, no, it's completely different. If you try to make a green curry paste, don't use ginger. You have to use galangal. So apparently it's different. Anyway, even though it's different, it warms the middle jiao. Same thing as ginger. So uh, galangjiang, similar to ginger, warms the middle jiao. But here we could say its specialty is it warms the middle jiao to stop pain. So specifically for abdominal pain due to cold. 
So I'd say it's main specialty. But then we can also say if it had another one, we could say it's also good for vomiting due to cold. So again, same thing like ginger when he talked about shengjiang, fresh ginger. Even people who don't study Chinese medicine know that you can use ginger tea for an upset stomach. Gaoliangjiang is like a variety of ginger. Um, so it also treats vomiting due to cold. But if I were to remember one thing, I would remember pain due to cold. Warms the middle of jiao to stop pain. And the name of this herb, again, jiang means ginger. Shengjiang is fresh ginger. Ganjiang is dry ginger. Jianghuang is yellow ginger or turmeric. And now we have uh, Gaoliangjiang, ginger from the Gaoliang region, which is, I think, a region in China that's now Guangdong. So it's referring to, so it's just ginger from the specific region. So that's Gaoliangjiang. Similar to ginger, warms middle jiao, but I'd say specifically warms middle jiao to stop pain. Hua jiao, xanthoxyle pericarpium. Hua jiao, xanthoxyle pericarpium. This is Sichuan peppercorn. I guess Americans say Sichuan peppercorn. Um, so hua jiao, warms middle jiao, especially for abdominal pain due to cold, vomiting and diarrhea. So just those signs of cold in the spleen and stomach. The thing that makes hua jiao stand out or something that's special that we should pay attention to is hua jiao also kills parasites. So if we remember in uh, Chinese medicine, when we use the term parasites, we can we actually mean two things. We can talk about real parasites or intestinal parasites, things like roundworm, pinworm, tapeworm. Or we can say parasites as in uh, fungal infections on the skin. So like athlete's foot and uh, tinnias. Tinea is just a fungal infection, but it occurs on different places. So when it's on your foot, it's called tinea pedis, and that's athlete's foot. But you can also get tinnias in your groin. You can get tinnias in your armpits or on your scalp. I guess maybe if you've been like itching your feet and then you scratch your scalp and then you scratch your genitals, you would probably spread it all over your body. And then anyway, that's what you mean by parasites. And so for hua jiao, it does both. It uh, expels internal parasites, like especially roundworms. And then it can also be used externally for internally or externally for fungal infections. So things like athlete's foot, yeast infection, maybe, or other applications. So this is one that I know, like I, I've seen hua jiao used as like a soak for athlete's foot. So if they have a, a fungal infection on your foot, you can mix it, mix it with other herbs like some of the huangs, like huang lian. You can make a decoction and then use it as a foot soak. It's just if you use huang lian, it's going to turn your foot yellow, which is kind of funny. Um, but I have heard some people say it can be used for yeast infections. And this one... I remember when we were going over this, I actually got an email from a student and she was like, I was reading about Hua Jiao and Bensky and there's this passage there where uh, it's either either Li Dongyuan or Li Shijian, but one of them uh, in the, I guess the prescription's worth a thousand ducats of gold. And in that book, he says that you can, uh, if you have a swelling of the scrotum, you can use Hua Jiao and apply it externally. And so she was asking like, have you ever seen it used for this application? And I was kind of like, I don't know about that because like I've had hua jiao in cooking, like in, in certain dishes and hua jiao is, is it like it tastes spicy. So I'd be worried about putting that on your genitals. Like um, it's kind of like when you, when you cut jalapenos, you, you want to make sure before you, before you touch yourself, otherwise you could be, it could create a lot of burning. So 
I'm a little bit skeptical about that. I've never tried that. So if anybody has something they want to do this weekend, um, get some Sichuan peppercorn, uh, boil it into the concoction and put it on your genitals and let me know if it burns. Cause I'm a, I'm a little bit too scared to do that, but I'm interested to see what that's like. So Hua Jiao. Anyway, Hua Jiao also kills parasites. We'll see it's uh, being used for roundworms, but it can also be used externally, especially for things like athlete's foot. Hua Jiao, the name means flowery pepper. So Hua means flower. We've seen this before with like um, uh, Ju Hua is chrysanthemum flower. Jin Yin Hua is a uh, honeysuckle flower. Zi Hua Di Ding is violet. Hua means flower. And Jiao means pepper. So this is flower pepper or flowery pepper. It also goes by the name Chuan Jiao. I think especially in cooking, it's more common to call it Chuan Jiao, which just means pepper from Sichuan province. So that's Hua Jiao or Chuan Jiao. Next is Ding Xiang, karyophyllae floss. Ding Xiang, karyophyllae floss. And this is clove. So Ding Xiang warms the middle jiao, especially for um, rebellious stomach qi, like nausea and vomiting. Uh, it warms kidney yang, so for um, kidney yang, for kidney yang uh, related uh, fertility problems, impotence, and low libido. So, so this is one that I would say it's majorly used for warming the middle jiao, but we can also say that it warms kidney yang. And it can be used externally to treat toothache. So this one, I think some people, I've heard them say that you can just uh, take a piece of clove and just put it, stick it in your mouth and put it on the tooth. I think maybe more commonly that people use the essential oil of clove and put some drops on their tooth. But this one also uh, kind of is a, a folk remedy can be used to treat toothache. So Ding Xiang is clove like is used a lot in cooking, especially around Christmas time. Or I remember that um, something that we had used to do is you could get like an orange and then the, like the clove is very, it's, it's kind of a, a flowery on one end and then spiky on the other end. So you could stick little pieces of clove in your, in an orange and it'd be like a, um, a natural, a, a potpourri that you could hang it up and it would smell very Christmassy. You'd have that orange and clove. Or you could take that orange and clove and uh, soak it in wine, and it makes a very nice spiced wine. So Ding Xiang means spike fragrance. Spike probably because they're sharp and stabby, they're spiky, and fragrance because they they have a, a very nice smell. Dosage is smaller than average. Entering channels are spleen, stomach, and kidney because it warms middle jowl and because it warms the kidney to treat these uh, fertility problems. Xiao Hui Xiang, Foniculi Fructus. Xiao Hui Xiang, Foniculi Fructus. This is fennel or fennel seed. I think, I think, I think it's kind of confusing when, in America when you say fennel. There's like, there's actually a fennel plant that is like a bulb and it looks kind of like celery with an onion attached to it, but there's also fennel seed. And I'm actually not sure if the two things are related. I'm not sure that they are, but they both have kind of a, a licorice-y type flavor to it. But Xiao Hui Shang is fennel seed. It's something that you can find in the spice aisle of American supermarkets. So Xiao Hui Shang warms the interior and stops pain. So when you say warming in the interior, on the one hand, it warms the middle jiao and also regulates middle jiao qi. So especially for uh, middle jiao pain due to coldness. So this is another one that warms the middle and stops pain. But you also say it warms kidney and liver, especially for painful menses or this Shan disorder, hernia pain, testicular pain, 
things like that. So this is one that, again, we could say that the kidney governs the lower jowl, and so the genitals and menstruation happens in the lower jowl. So we could say this warms the kidney to treat those conditions, or we could say that the liver channel goes to the inguinal area, it goes to the lower abdomen, so we could say it warms the liver channel to treat these things. So kind of, to me, they're kind of the same thing, but we could say warms kidney and liver to treat those lower jowl issues like painful menses, dysmenorrhea, or Shan disorder, hernia pain. And so we'll see that come up in a couple of our formulas. So Xiao Hui Shang means little return fragrance. And so I think the story here is that when you say return to fragrance, this would be like if you had some meat and it was like starting to like smell funny, you could use, you could cook it with some Xiao Hui Shang to return its fragrance or to make it to make it smell less rotten. And I, I think that's that's at least a story I've heard about the name. We have another herb called Da Hui Shang, big return fragrance, and that is um, star anise or star anise. I'm not sure how you say it, but that's the one that like, it, it looks like a star and it has pods. Um, so that's called Da Hui Shang, or in Chinese it's also called Ba Jiao. Uh, ba means eight, and it's there's usually a star with eight little points on it. So that's another one that's, it has a very similar licorice-y type taste, and so um, sometimes those are used together, and that's another uh, thing that's commonly used. Um, sometimes it's nice you can make some rice, and you can put some, um, if you're like making basmati rice, you could put some pepper in it, and then put some uh, star anise in it, and it'll give it kind of a nice fragrant flavor. But anyway, Xiao Hui Shang is little return to fragrance, and we should know that's good for warming and stopping pain. Uh, second to last is Bi Ba Piperus Longus Fructus. Bi Ba Piperus Longus Fructus. This is long pepper. And so this is kind of interesting that this is something that I think is actually very, um, it's it's a little bit more difficult to get in America. I'm not sure if they still use it over, uh, in Europe, but it's it's very uncommon to use in America. I think you can order it online. But this is something that I started watching this channel called uh, Tasting History with Max Miller, where he would go find it, he would go and find these historical recipes, and from a thousand years ago or two thousand. I guess sometimes like in the 1700s, but you would find these historical recipes and cook these recipes and kind of explain the history of what was going around at the time. And apparently this is something that was very commonly used in uh, like the 1400s to the 1700s in, in Europe that they used long pepper. And so he made some recipes with long pepper and he's like, oh, this is really nice. It's actually better than normal pepper. It has more of a flowery flavor to it. So this is one that it is used in cooking just in modern America we don't use it anymore, but um, at least in other in other cuisines, they do use it or did use it. Anyway, long pepper warms the middle jowl because it's pepper from nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain. And this is another one that we can say used externally for headache and toothache. So this one is kind of interesting. We can when we say it's for headache, we're, we're specifically saying it's for headache due to deep source nasal congestion. And so if you remember uh, back in the release the exterior category, we had certain herbs that um, <clears throat> open the nasal orifices. So we had um, uh, Baijer, Tsong Artsa, and Xinyihua are all herbs that open the nasal orifices. And they're uh, specifically used to treat this thing that we call Bi Yuan or deep source nasal congestion that's kind of 
we'd say it's kind of like a sinus infection. But um, when if wind cold gets stuck in there, it can turn into heat and you get these this thick purulent discharge. That's BU on. And so if you have um if you have this nasal congestion, if you have these things going on in the Yangming channel, it's very likely that you would get some sinus headache to go along with it. And so Biba could be used for that. And I think it's like you you wrap it in some gauze and, and put it on your forehead. And apparently, um, if, if you go look this up in Bensky, there is there is some guy who disagreed with that. He was like, no, deep source nasal congestion is a heat condition. It's thick yellow discharge. You would never use a warming herb, but... Apparently that's a thing. If you ever have that, maybe you can try getting some long pepper and putting it on your forehead. And this can also be used for pain due to tooth decay. Again, you'd like grind it up into a powder. And then like if you had holes in your teeth, you would like stick this in the holes in your teeth. And apparently it helps with pain due to tooth decay. So Biba is long pepper. And I would just think it's pepper, warms middle jowl. And finally, we have Hu Jiao Pepperous Fructus. Hu Jiao Pepperus fructus, and this is pepper. It can be either white pepper or black pepper, either one. Um, remember the character who means foreign or barbarian. So we saw this before with things like chai hu was barbarian twig. And so this is just referring to this is not native to China. It came or not native to the region of China at the time. Um, sometimes I use hu to refer to like the Hans or other, or other areas, but Hu Jiao means a foreign pepper or barbarian pepper, and it can be either a black pepper like you have next to your salt. In America, we have salt and pepper. It's that kind of pepper. Or it can be white pepper. Um, this is another one that I remember my, my Chinese teacher being like, you know, white pepper is better anyway. Like, either like, why do people even use black pepper? White pepper tastes better. But I kind of feel like in America... Um, Really, the only time I've seen people use white pepper is when they don't want the black specks in it. So, like, if you're making mashed potatoes and you want to put pepper in your mashed potatoes, but you don't want these black specks in it, you can use white pepper. Or if you're making white chili, you can put white pepper in your white chili. So, But apparently in China, it's more common to use white pepper in their cooking. And this one warms the middle jowl. Uh, you can see the, the dosage is smaller than average, and we can say often used in food therapy or swallow as a powder. So this is something that if somebody had some abdominal cold, you could just say, put some, make sure you put some extra pepper on your food and use it in food therapy. Or I suppose you could swallow it as a, as a powder. Um, I think that Bensky does have this note in there that this is more for... Um, this can the, this can e easily disperse the cheese, so this would not be for cold due to deficiency. So if somebody had like these ongoing symptoms of cold, you wouldn't necessarily tell them to swallow pepper as a powder. But it might be more like if you if you ate a whole bunch of ice cream and now you have the stomach ache, you're like, oh, I have the stomach ache due to cold because I ate too much cold stuff. And you'd be like, oh, let me try swallowing a bunch of black pepper and seeing if that helps. Uh, if that helps my brain freeze and stomach freeze. So. Hu Jiao just means, uh, again, foreign pepper, barbarian pepper. And again, I don't know of any time this is used as a formula. I think we just use this as food therapy. That If you have some cold, you can just tell someone to put pepper on their food. So that's Hu Jiao. And so those are our herbs that warm the interior and expel cold. Again, I would say these first three are the three hot ones. They're the most common ones, the ones you'll see used the most. Wujuyu, remember vomiting. The rest of them are kind of like food herbs that mainly warm the middle jowl. They do have some other specialties like Gaoliang, Jiang, you can say it's especially for warming and stopping pain. Hua Jiao also has the action of kill, killing parasites. Uh, 
Ding Xiang was uh, also kidney fertility issues. Xiao Hui Xiang we'll see is also for um, uh, hernia pain or Shan disorder. So here at this point, sometimes I like to go through and mention some formulas and Dwei Yao pairs. So this is something that, this is not meant to be a formula class, but sometimes it helps to see these herbs and formulas so you get a little bit better idea of what we're talking about and how these herbs can be used. And I was going to try to talk about some Dwei Yao pairs, but it, a lot of the herbs in this category, if they're used as pairs, they're just... They're used that way in one formula. So rather than talk about the Dwayao pairs individually, we'll just talk about them when we get to the formulas. So the first thing I always like to bring up with this category is that herbs that warm the interior. This is very, these herbs are very commonly used in pumpkin pie spice. So if you're making a pumpkin pie, you can get something called a mixture called pumpkin pie spice. If you're getting uh, pumpkin spice lattes, if it's Halloween time and you go to Starbucks and get a pumpkin spice latte, it doesn't actually have pumpkin in it. It's referring to these spices that are used in pumpkin pie. And a lot of times we'll use this same mixture if you're making like apple pie. So cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg, clove, allspice, mace are common ingredients. Sometimes they leave some out or they use them in different ratios. But it turns out these are all in this category, or most of them are in this category, herbs that warm the interior. So cinnamon is rogwei, ginger is ganjang. Nutmeg is one that we don't learn in this category. Nutmeg is rodoko. We actually learn it in the category herbs that stabilize and bind. That rodoko has this action of binding up the intestines to stop diarrhea, but it also has an action of warming the interior. And we said clove is ding xiang. So I think this is just kind of interesting to point out that these are um, spices that you might be familiar with. And at least when, when we do our cooking, this tends to come up in things like pumpkin pie and apple pie and pumpkin spice lattes. Those are things that you drink, you take in the late fall and winter when the weather is getting cold. If you were to eat pumpkin pie in the summer, people would look at you funny. Or if you tried to make a pumpkin spice latte in the middle of the summer, people would look at you funny. The reason, one of the reasons we eat it at that time of year is because these are warming herbs, so they're very good when the weather starts to turn cold. So that's just something I like to bring up is a lot of these herbs that warm the interior are found in pumpkin pie spice. But if we look at traditional formulas, we have Sunitong, frigid extremities decoction. Sunitong, frigid extremities decoction. And this is our formula for Yang collapse, Yang desertion, or uh, Tuo syndrome. So this is a formula that rescues devastated Yang, warms the middle, and stops diarrhea. And so we say that sometimes we use the term uh, cold inversion or uh, reversal cold of the limbs. And the idea here is normally when you have yang, that yang is supposed to spread outward into the limbs, giving you uh, warm hands and feet. But if your yang deserts, if your yang suddenly runs away and collapses, that yang is no longer spreading into the limbs. It inverts inward or it reverses inward, and we end up with cold hands and feet. So this is for extremely cold extremities. We would say cold up to the elbows or cold up to the knees. So not just like Raynaud's when it comes up to the wrist, but fully up the arm. Aversion to cold, curled up when lying down, curled into the field position or the shrimp position. Lethargy, constant desire to sleep, vomiting, diarrhea with undigested food, abdominal pain, blah, blah, blah. The, the pulse is uh, deep, thin, or faint. The tongue is pale. 
And so again, the herbs that we use to rescue David Stead Yang are Futsa and Ganjang. So that's pretty much what this formula is, is just this way out pair of Futsa and Ganjang. Then we also add in some licorice root to help with the tonify middle jiao chi, but it's basically Futsa and Ganjang. So you should definitely remember that Futsa and Ganjang are the ones that rescue devastated Yang or um, treat this Tool syndrome or Yang collapse. And this is usually um, associated with the Xiao Yin level in terms of the Shanghan Moon Six levels. When you talk about cold going from uh, Taiyang Yangming, Xiaoyang, Taiyin, Xiaoyin, Jueyin, this is for Xiao Yin disorder, which involves the kidney. Uh, that's what we mean by devastated Yang. So that's Sunni Tang. Futa and Ganjang, remember that these are the ones that rescue devastated young. Uh, on the topic of aconite, this is our one formula where we have Wu and Chanwu. It's Xiao Huolodan, Minor Invigorate the Collaterals Special Pill. And so this one is for wind in the channel. So it dispels wind, eliminates dampness, transforms phlegm, um, unblocks the, the network vessels. So this is for chronic pain, weakness, and numbness, especially in the lower extremities due to wind stroke. So this is like you had a stroke and now you have um, uh, pain, weakness, and numbness in your limbs after your stroke. So fixed migrating pain in the bones and joints with reduced range of motion. Uh, so it's also for a, a cold predominant, a wind cold damp B syndrome where you have very severe symptoms. Kind of the key thing here is the symptoms are aggravated by cold. So that's how we know that it's cold blocking the channels is because everything's worse with cold. And so this is the this is the one formula we learn where, where we use Sawu and Chanwu. So remember, Futsa, aconite lateralis, is better for warming the interior, warming the kidney, spleen, and heart. Whereas Chanwu and Sawu are better for warming the channels and it scours out wind. It's treating this wind condition. You can see here we also have Tian Nan Xing. Remember we learned that in the uh, phlegm category that we had Ban Cha and then the second one was Tian Nan Xing. That's very good for transforming phlegm, but especially for wind phlegm. We have uh, Ru Xiang and Mo Yao, frankincense and myrrh. Those are in the invigorate blood category. Di Long, I don't think we've learned this one yet, but Di Long is earthworm. So you can think about earthworm. Uh, crawling through your channels, just like earthworms dig tunnels through the ground. The earthworms are crawling through your channels, seeking out the wind. So this is an herb, uh, a formula for wind conditions. And this is the one formula where we learn, where we use Jirtsawu and Jirtchuanwu for this internal cold and wind. Li Zhongwan is regulate the middle pill. This is for cold in the middle. So this one warms the middle jiao and strengthens the spleen and stomach. And you can see the chief herb here is Ganjiang. So that's how we know that Ganjiang is especially useful for warming the spleen, that it's used in this formula for uh, cold in the middle jiao. And so this would, uh, this would be, um, in terms of the Shanghan Moon, this would be a tie-in disorder. So um, when we have... Either you can have cold uh, attacking the exterior and going Taiyang, Yang, Ming, Xiaoyang and getting into the Taiyin level and start you start to have these middle jiao problems. Or you can have a direct strike to the Taiyin organs that this cold pathogen can skip through those Yang levels and have a direct strike to the uh, spleen stomach. And so we have things like middle jiao deficiency cold, diarrhea with watery stools, loss of appetite, abdominal pain. 
We can also say this is again for bleeding to do bleeding due to middle jowl yang deficiency, nosebleed, vomiting blood, excessive menstrual bleeding, bleeding from the rectum. And the blood is going to be pale because this is bleeding due to cold and you also have cold extremities, other signs of cold. So bleeding due to middle jowl yang deficiency. Remember we said that ganjang can also be used for bleeding due to cold, but here we would probably use it in its charred form or scorched form. Paojiang is especially good for stopping bleeding. So those are two applications of ganjang. We're using it to warm the middle, but we're also using it to stop bleeding. Uh, Yogwei Wan is restore the right kidney pill. This is a basic formula for kidney yang deficiency. So exhaustion from long-term illness, aversion to cold, cold extremities, sexual problems like impotence and spermatorrhea, uh, aching and weakness of the low back and knees because the kidneys are in the low back. The kidney governs the knees, infertility problems, blah, blah, blah. The point here is that it's just very common to use this pair Futsa and Rogue with our kidney yang tonics. Really, this came up in, um, it first came up in the with Zhang Zhongjing and the Jingwei Yalue with the formula Shen Qi Wan. And then we have a couple formulas that are based on Shen Qi Wan. But it's very common to use Futsa and Rogue for kidney yang deficiency. But then we have to combine it with these other tonifying formulas, which we'll learn in the next category. But foods and rogue are there to deal with the cold symptoms associated with kidney yang deficiency. Jiao Taiwan Grand Communication Pill. This is the one that's for kidney and heart not communicating. So we see these Shen problems like irritability, restlessness, and palpitation, but then we have cold in the lower body. So cold legs tells us that there's cold in the lower body, that the kidney yang is deficient, so that yang is floating upward into the heart and causing these shen uh, issues. So here we can see we're using rogue for its function of descending floating heat or guiding that heat back to the source. And here actually we're using huang lian. Remember huang lian? Everybody remembers that Huang Lian is good for heat in the middle jowl. It's good for damp heat in the middle jowl. But people often forget that Huang Lian also clears heart heat as well. So here what's happening is we have some Huang Lian to clear that heart heat. And then we have some Rogue Wei that's guiding that heat back to its source in the kidneys. So that's how we're dealing with this heat above and cold below using Rogue Wei for its function of guiding heat back to its source. Wuju Yutong. Uh, the name of this formula is Wuju Yutong. Obviously, the chief herb here is Wuju Yu. And remember that Wuju Yu is good for vomiting. So this one warms and tonifies liver and stomach. Remember, Wuju Yu also did some stuff for warming the liver as well, but it's mainly for vomiting. But it directs rebellious chi downwards and stops vomiting. So we have a couple different patterns here, but all of these patterns have vomiting as their main symptom. So that's why we're using Wujuyu to stop the vomiting. We actually also added in some fresh ginger, Shengjiang, because that also has an action of stopping vomiting. Um, so that's why I would use Wujuyu, especially if there's like a Jueyin pattern, because um, Wujuyu also enters the liver channel. It's good for a vertex headache. And so it also has something to do with Jueyin disorders as well. So especially if you have Jueyin disorders with um, some vomiting, we use wuju yutong. But anyway, wuju is good for vomiting. Another application here is zuojin wan, left metal pill. This is another one that's for vomiting, but this is uh, the one where it's vomiting due to heat. So we have 
uh, all these liver symptoms like hypochondriac pain, hunger, focal distension, but then vomiting, acid reflux, belching, bitter taste in the mouth, all these symptoms of rebellious stomach cheat. The tongue is red with a yellow coat, indicating heat. The pulse is rapid and wiry, indicating heat. This is vomiting with heat. So normally we wouldn't use Wujiu because it's the wrong temperature, but Wujiu is so good at stopping vomiting, we'll use it anyway. We just have to combine it with a large dosage of Huanglian, and that Huanglian is very bitter and very cold, and it will change the overall temperature of the formula to being cold, and that's why we can use it for vomiting due to heat. By itself, Wujiu is only for vomiting due to cold, but we combine it with Huanglian. I think the ratio, sometimes they like to ask you about the ratio of the dosages. This is, I think, a six to one ratio. We use six times, we use like 18 grams of Huanglian and three grams of Wujuyu. And so it's mostly about clearing heat, but we add in a little bit of Wujuyu just because it's so good at stopping vomiting. We can use it even in this situation. So Wujuyu, remember, Wujuyu stop vomiting. Uh, Liang Fu Wang, um, Again, this is a, a Dwaya pair, Gao Liang Zhang and Xiang Fu, but as far as I know, it only comes up in this formula. And so this is for liver qi stagnation with cold. And so we have cold here, but especially when there's um, some pain. And so this is just an example of using Gao Liang Zhang to warm and stop pain. And so you remember, Xiang Fu is one we learned in the regulate qi category, so that's dealing with the liver qi stagnation. Gao Liang Zhang is dealing with the uh, cold in the stomach. But kind of the emphasis here is we have epigastric pain that responds favorably to warmth. That's why I say we should remember Gao Yang Zhang warms the middle to stop pain. This is one example of that. Tian Tai Wu Yao San, we might have talked about this before. This is our main formula for hernia pain or Shan disorder, where we have qi stagnation and cold in the liver channel. So lower abdominal pain radiating into the testicles, swollen or distended testicles. Of course, the, the name is Tiantai Wu Yao San, so our main herb here is Wu Yao, which we learned in the regulate qi category. So I think we talked about this formula before. So we have a lot of herbs that regulate liver qi. Wu Yao regulates liver qi. Mu Shang is good for regulating qi and stopping pain. Qing Pi regulates liver qi. Over there we have Chuan Lienza regulates liver qi. So a lot of stuff that's moving uh, liver qi. But you can see we also have Xiao Hui Shang and Gan Liang Zhang there as well. So Xiao Hui Shang is fennel seed. And so remember this one is, besides warming the mill, it's also warming the liver channel to treat that hernia pain. So if you go back and look at your Xiao Hui Shang, maybe you should underline that part where it says hernia pain because that's what it's being used for in this formula. And again, we have Gao Liang Zhang that warms the interior to stop pain. I think this is our last one here. Wumeiwan, Mune Pill. Wumeiwan, Mune Pill. This is the formula for Jui Yin syndrome in the Shan Han Loon. So if you had cold that gets all the way in, it goes Tai Yang Yang Ming Xiao Yang, Tai Yin Xiao Yin Jui Yin. Jui Yin is last level. That's when you use Wumeiwan. And what's happening at this level is this is a condition of heat, of heat above and cold below. So it's like this condition is so serious, the yin and yang are starting to separate. So this is another condition of heat above and cold below. And so you can see here that we're using a lot of warming herbs like hua jiao, xi xin. We learned in the category warm, warm active herbs that release the exterior. But a lot of books will actually put this in the warm the interior category. But ganjiang futsa, here we use guijur instead of rogue, but kind of similar. So we're using these herbs to warm the cold below, but then we also have herbs like 
Huang Lian and Huang Bai to treat the heat above. So this is just another example of heat above and cold below. And the other reason I bring this one up is the key symptom for Yin syndrome that everybody remembers is roundworm. So inversion from roundworm. So we have intermittent abdominal pain and vomiting roundworms. The reason I bring that up is because Hua Jiao is here. So remember Hua Jiao specifically had that action of killing roundworms. Here's an example of that being used in the formula where we're vomiting roundworms due to heat above and cold below. Basically this is like you have roundworms in your stomach and intestines and normally the roundworms are just kind of hanging out there not doing anything but uh, once you get this pattern of heat above and cold below the roundworms are in the cold below part so they're like oh it's cold in here we need to go someplace warmer so the roundworms start migrating upwards and that's why you have vomiting roundworms the roundworms are actually moving upward upwards to uh, seek a warmer area but anyway hua jiao the point of that is Hua Jiao is there to kill roundworms or kill parasites, especially roundworms. So that's our category, herbs that warm the interior and expel cold. So remember, the first three were our three hot herbs. So Futsa is a really uh, commonly used one. And so this one warms the kidney, warms the spleen, warms the heart, warms the channels and rescues devastated yang. So we need to know all those things. Ganjiang is dried, dried ginger. It especially warms the middle jiao. It also warms the lung, and it's another one that can be used for yang collapse. So these first two, jirafutsa and ganjiang, are used together to rescue devastated yang. And ganjiang, you can also use the charred version, paojiang, to stop bleeding due to cold. Rogue is cinnamon bark. It's very similar to futsa in that it warms the kidney, warms the spleen, warms the heart, warms the channels, but it does not rescue devastated young, but it does have this ability to uh, return floating heat to its source, um, and it can also encourage the generation of qi and blood. So futsa and rogue wei are often used together to warm the kidney. Wujuyu, think Wujuyu stop vomiting, but it also warms the liver channel. Entry ternia pain, Galiangjiang warms the interior to stop pain. Huajiao warms the middle jiao, but also kills parasites like we saw in that Yin syndrome. Dingxiang warms the middle jiao, but it also treats some kidney-related fertility issues. Xiaohuishang is fennel. It warms the middle jiao, but it also warms the liver channel to treat hernia pain like we saw in Tiantai Wuyaosan. Biba and hujiao are just different types of pepper, and so you can use them as food therapy for pepper. So that was our category, herbs that warm the interior and expel cold. So like we said, this was a, a very in-depth review. This was uh, meant for students who are taking an Herbology 3 class, and they're seeing this information for the first time. And so that's why we go through it very in-depth. If, however, you are studying for finals, year-ends, or boards, and you're more interested in reviewing all of the herbs and you want to go through it a little bit more quickly, then we do have an online course, the TCM Study Single Herb Review course. And so this is a course that goes through um, all, all of the categories. So we start out with an introduction going through the properties of 
herbs that taste temperature entering channels, methods of combination, things like that. All the stuff we talked about in intro class that you probably haven't looked at. Then we do briefly talk about herb categories. And then we just go through, we have lectures for each category of herbs. And some of these lectures are meant to be very short, like 10 to 15 minutes, rather than like an hour and a half of what we've been doing here. So here, when we go through these, we're just hitting on some of the key points for each of the herbs. So each one comes with a video lecture. And here we're just um, going through and looking at some of the key points for each herb. With that, you can also download the audio. So if you don't want to watch the video, you can look at it on the go. There are some practice tests. There are handouts that condense everything down. There are a lot of practice uh, questions. And then uh, there are a few bonus things, like we talk about the Shanghan Moon and Wen Bing herbs uh, for the six levels. We talk about the secondary function of herbs, like the herbs that clear summer heat, the herbs that calm restless fetus, the herbs that promote lactation, things like that. We talk about Duayao pears. So if you're studying for year ends and you want to review all of the herbs, but you want to do it in a quick, efficient manner, this is something you can check out. We'll put a link to that below. If you want to check out that single herb review course, that's a good way to review all of the herbs. Other than that, special thank you to the Patreon members who support the website, uh, the channel, the, the YouTube channel, and everything we do here. So if you want to also uh, support the channel, that's another way you can do it, is by making a donation through Buy Me A Coffee or joining the Patreon. There's links to that below. If you want to keep up with when new things are coming out, uh, be sure to join the email list. There's also a link to that below. So that's all for today. We'll see you in the next one, which is Herbs That Tonify Cheese.